0: This podcast is supported by 10 of those. 10 of those is a Christian publishing company that serves local churches and ministries by providing quality Christian resources at affordable prices. 10 of those does this by buying resources we love in bulk. This allows them to pass the savings on to you and ensures that life-changing resources actually get in the hands of the people who use them. While 10 of those is a business, they are committed to using their profits to provide evangelistic resources to communities that otherwise could not afford them. When you buy from 10 of those, you help support their mission to equip the church to make Christ known throughout the world. You can buy from 10 of those directly at 10ofthose.com or at one of their many pop-up bookstores. We at Baptist 21 have partnered with them before for events, and we love working with them. In fact, they're just tremendous to work with, and we hope you will check them out. Coming up, they're going to be at T4G, as well as the Gospel Coalition's Women's Conference and the Worship God Conference. You should definitely check out 10 of those. Go to 10ofthose.com today.
1: Baptist 21 is a pastor-led voice for Southern Baptists in the 21st century. The B21 podcast will discuss current issues in the SBC with Southern
0: Baptist church leaders. To check out more resources, visit us at Baptist21.com. Welcome to the Baptist 21 podcast, and before we jump into this week's episode, I want to remind you of our upcoming Baptist 21 panel at this year's Southern Baptist Convention in Anaheim, so SBC uh, B21 panel 2022, Uh, and again, we have moved that from being a lunch panel to a morning panel, so that'll be from 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. on that Tuesday morning, right before business begins at the Southern Baptist Convention uh, on June 14th. Uh, we have talked about why we have moved that in a previous episode, and so you can check that out. But uh, again, we will have uh, the conversations you want to have and talk about the topics that Southern Baptists are talking about, pressing topics, and even uh, business that will come up in the following days. You can sign up. Seats are limited for that. And so you can sign up at baptist21.com and find a link uh, there. Uh, as of now, we have three panelists that will be on there, and we're going to be inviting some some more soon. Uh, So we have uh, Danny Aiken, President of Southeastern Seminary, Al Moller, President of Southern Seminary, uh, and Juan Sanchez, Pastor at High Point Baptist in Austin, Texas. And so please make plans to be with us for that conversation. Uh, Again, it'll happen right before the beginning of business on the Tuesday morning of the Southern Baptist Convention in Anaheim, June 14th. Uh, You can sign up at Baptist21.com. Have with me today a uh, former guest. She's been on the podcast at least a couple of times before. Uh, and I have with me Amy Whitfield. Amy is currently the executive director of communications at Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina. She also is a uh, Baptist history uh, expert extraordinaire. And so we're going to talk about uh, how we decide where we have the SBC annual meeting and. Uh, even, even some history behind doing it out West. Uh, Obviously we started in the South and mainly in the Southeast. And so I just thought it'd be interesting to hear uh, some reasons for how we make those decisions and why moving it out West. So Amy, thanks as always for being on the podcast.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I love to come on anytime I can. And, and uh, I love it because you, you'll you talk Baptist history nerd <laughs> stuff with me. So. Always, yeah. yes.
0: Yes, I love it. Well, uh, obviously our hearers do know you've done some of the bio questions in the past, but uh, let's just start here. How are locations for the annual meeting determined? Okay, so uh, do messengers have any say? Who kind of ultimately makes the decision of where we have the annual convention?
1: Yeah, so actually, final decision decision does belong to the messengers. So the messengers get to vote on, um, on the, the sites for the annual meeting, but it's brought to them by the executive committee. So the executive committee has all their processes. Um, and as they are the ones in charge of kind of facilitating the annual meeting that's given to them uh, in the in our governor documents, they work through Subcommittees, they have folks on their board that are uh, assigned essentially to wrestle with this, to ask the questions of where we need to go to make recommendations to the full board. And then the full board takes that information and they decide on a city to recommend to the messengers. So where we are this year uh, in Anaheim, California, that was recommended to the messengers in 2016 when we were in St. Louis And the messengers passed it then. That was also when um, a couple of other, usually they do them in chunks. So they'll come and bring three or four years in a row that are way down, you know, way down the road. Yeah. And everyone sort of does it at once. And then that allows the executive committee staff to start negotiating everything and getting getting stuff in in place.
0: So uh, who's to who's the subcommittee to blame or bless for? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't want you to have to answer that question.
1: Um, if, well, actually, there's there's a meeting. There's like a convention meeting subcommittee, so you okay. can go back and sense. look. Yeah, and you, see who's yeah, on, who on the on right. the. Uh, uh,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, where typically in the schedule, like where would that vote take place if where the messengers uh, kind of finalize that? Is that is that what usually part part of the day, part of the business, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, that's always going to be in the executive committee. Report. So what you what people want to do is look in the book of reports before annual meeting. And you know the executive committee report usually comes in two parts. One of those is very business heavy, where they do all the recommendations that they've been working on throughout the year. And then the other one might be a presentation of some sort. Uh, they can do whatever they want with that time. And so you would want to be around for their reports because whenever they're going to propose cities, Uh, that that's something that they will bring from their work throughout the year.
0: Is uh, is there kind of a, whether written or unwritten uh, a kind of guiding policy or plan for how locations are determined. So I I think we're thinking like out West every four to five years or something like that. Is that written or unwritten or yeah. What are the guiding policies there?
1: Yeah. So so that's a great question. Um, So first of all, in terms of written like kind of set in stone, There are a couple of basic guidelines that are in the bylaws themselves. And that says that um, that any, you know, it says no no city shall be considered in which there is a considerable distance between available hotels and the convention hall and that no meetings other than the convention services should be held in the hall during the sessions of the convention. So there's like a couple of things, real basic. Mm -hmm. Um, beyond that, the executive committee has through the years worked on some different guidelines for how to give, uh, specific considerations. And it always depends on sort of where, where we are in that season. Um, it doesn't, the guidelines don't get updated that much, but there are things like, um, convention cities need to have up to this many hotel rooms, you know, that are within a certain radius. That they need to have um, right. a minimum of, you know, so many have to be within two miles. Then there's like more that are outside sure. of the two miles. That the minimum seating capacity has to be, you know, sixteen thousand or, or whatever. Um, exit space has to be this many square feet. So there's a almost like a formula. That they're looking at a matrix, which certainly at that stage is going to shrink down uh, the number of cities in the U.S. that can accommodate that. Mm-hmm. Um, then they can turn around and say, uh, "Okay, now we're going to, you know, contact all the cities that uh, that we may be looking at or different parts of the country." And the cities have to turn around and say we're available. You know, we have all this open during that week. That's one reason you go so many sure. uh, years in advance because you got to get that their convention centers open, that their hotels are all you know open, whatever. And so then cities turn around and basically make a bid. I mean, that's mm-hmm. they they come out and and say um, this is what we can offer, and then that gets given to that subcommittee to turn around and look at. So they're looking at they're 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 looking at lots of different guidelines based on size, based on amount of rooms, but ba- you know all of these things. Um then uh when it comes to I would say it's probably more unwritten but if you look at the list over the last, you know, 30 years, something like that, it tends to go um It tends to go in the way of like, like in 91, it was in Atlanta and then it went Indianapolis and Houston, then back to Orlando and Atlanta. It kind of goes to the east and then it'll go like two years in more central locations, Indianapolis, Houston, things like that. Then back to the east, back to central, and then they'll throw in a west. So the meetings in the west only pop in every um Six years or so. Okay. Uh, and in general, I mean, that's, you know, what we're trying to do is really make space for our churches that are in the West, because as hard as this is for us, we're all looking at flights. We're looking at at all these difficult things. How do we get there? Our friends in the West, that's just what they do every year when they come mm-hmm you know, yeah. to where we are. So there's a sense in which that's part of the the goal. And then also to demonstrate, if you look in the history of how this all started, it's to get us out of our yeah. sort of spot where we started. So we're actually seeing the work that's happening in the West. Um, but most of our time has been in Phoenix. This is one that kind of moved out, at least in the last 20 years. Most of our, all of our Western meetings have been in Phoenix, but this sort of moved out of that.
0: So many comments and questions about what you said. Number one, uh, yes, they have to pay as much as we're having to pay to fly out there. That makes a lot of difference. And I'm thankful to do, to pay that to, to be there. We do not charge them per box lunch in our states, in other states, <laughs> what they are charging us in California. So, so uh, a li- I'm still a little so salty here, about it-
1: I know. I know. You should add you should you should appeal to the executive committee and ask them to add the box lunch prices to their their list of things. Hey, when so, they make it the, when they
0: make the bid to us, what I want to make a motion is let's find the city that will let us cater in food to their convention hall, which would not exist. But that would solve all right. of our problems, yeah. So,
1: if you let us bring Chick Fil A in, it's all good. We're
0: yes. all going to be happy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, could you ever like? I didn't intend to ask you this, but it's probably be just speculation. But I don't know if you'd heard anything on this on this front. Could there ever be, given how travel is now, could there ever be just a rotation of four or five cities—one out west, one Midwest, Southeast, so forth—that just has the infrastructure that you mentioned that just makes it easier? Could you ever foresee a day like that where it's just maybe five down pat locations where we rotate by
1: Sure. I mean, I think that's very possible. that, again, and that's just speculation on my part. That would be, you know, sure. up to the EC, but that's certainly a possibility. And if you think about it, I mean, that's kind of what we've been in, but it's been maybe like 10 right. cities, you know, yeah. eight to 10. Yeah. So the idea of that just kind of shrinking down, that's, that's very conceivable. Yeah. Um, in preparing
0: you know. for this, I looked at all the list. You know, going all the way back to 1845, is St. Louis considered west for us? Because it it pops up a lot.
1: No, it would be considered. Um, I think we would consider it now central.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Um, you know, Missouri's kind of on the on the line. So 1950, we went to Chicago, and mm. that was the first time we left the South. OK. And then in 51, we went to San Francisco and that's the first time we went to the West.
0: OK, that was going to be my, my next question. Kind of when did we move beyond the southeast? I mean, along the way, if you want to throw in any even ancient SBC, you know, nerd facts on this, I would love them. But yeah. as far as how we decided, because, again, we started in Augusta, and mainly in certain right. places in the southeast. But we moved beyond the southeast. You're saying in 1950.
1: Yes. Yeah. OK.
0: And Chicago was the first place
1: right so chicago's first place we go but here's what here's what happens um first of all yeah obviously as we know our history we started out there's a reason we're called the southern baptist convention because we started it out as a convention for the south uh for a lot of reasons that we don't have to get into all that here but all your listeners know mm-hmm. what was in play yeah. um so for for a long time there, was, there were agreements in place between the Southern Baptists and the Northern Baptists that essentially said, this is where we're going to do what we do. This is where you're uh, going to do what you do. We stay here. You stay there. All right. So around the, um, around the 40s is when um, a lot of those agreements that had been in place dropped. It's just like, we're going to go wherever. And so expansion really is starting to happen. Um, where a lot, where we're not just becoming, you know, located in the South. So, um, so we're starting to learn how, uh, how to coexist with Northern Baptists. And then essentially a kind of new frontier has opened up. So I just wrote an article about this that's in the current issue of SBC Life. And that's what I said, a new frontier had opened for the SBC. So in 1949, um, they're meeting in Oklahoma City and they have all sorts of stuff kind of being talked about about the West that they um, they let in, you know, Oregon and Washington. It said Baptist churches in Oregon and Washington that had petitioned for affiliation are coming into the SBC. Um, they the general missionary for those states gave a gavel to R.G. Lee to commemorate the the event. Um, they had another. um committee to discuss common problems with Northern Baptists. you know, uh, our committees, we think we have crazy committees. Now we had all (laughs) kinds of ones. Um, So they, uh, they adopt something talking about how state conventions can cooperate with, with anybody, regardless of geographical location. So we can start cooperating with state conventions. So everybody's sort of talking about this move to connect with state conventions in the West. So when this is happening, um, the executive secretary of the California Southern Baptist Convention comes up to the microphone. So they they came to recommend the SBC meeting for uh, 1951. So they had a committee called the Committee on Time, Place and Preacher is what it was called. And they come up, they recommend that the the SBC will go should go back to Houston in 51. And uh, Dr. AF Crittenden from California uh, Convention goes up to the microphone and makes a motion to amend. So when you're talking about can messengers speak in, you know, if they want to go somewhere different, that's actually how that how we got here. Wow! So Dr. Dr. Crittenden comes up, he makes a motion to amend and says, "Let's go to I want to go to San Francisco instead." They take the vote. They have to go to a ballot because it's so close. Mm. And California wins by 37 (laughs) votes. So so what the what the group had brought was Houston. And then on the floor, they change it to go to California. And and I think I mean, I was reading minutes to process this, but you just get a sense that all there's all this talk about moving into the West. And so then when this state convention exec comes up and says, essentially, come and see us. That yeah. that's what gets a ground swell. Right. So that's that's where they head. So they go there in 1951. And um after that, they've only been like and we've only been a few a few other times. We went in uh, 1962, we went back to um went back to San Francisco. And um, that's when, like, Messenger Genesis, all that's happening, and they they named the yeah. It's right yeah, before
0: sixty three. Wow.
1: That's right. That's right. So so in San Francisco in sixty two is when they actually named the committee that For would the bring the sixty three wow. BFNM. Yeah. Um, we, in eight in eighty one we went to Los Angeles. Uh, so Bailey Smith yeah. was yeah. So Bailey Smith was um president, and uh, and then that's it like until now. So as far as California.
0: So we've never been to Anaheim. Right. Right. So this will be the first time to Anaheim. That's fast. You you gave a lot there. Is is most of that in your your SBC Life article?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, and it's not, it's not online right now. I think, they'll. I mean, at some point it will, it will be usually those, those Mm -hmm. uh, magazines are are posted, but it's in the the print edition, which maybe also give, I don't know if they'll give it out at the annual meeting. So Um, 1949
0: is RG Lee's president. The, right. the, the yeah uh, payday sunday himself uh and so when all this takes place so that seems like a pretty pivotal convention
1: yeah yeah i mean it was there, there was a lot going on and i think there was a lot of excitement because southern baptists sort of see this opportunity to go and to take the gospel out
0: This podcast is supported by 10 of those. 10 of those is a Christian publishing company that serves local churches and ministries by providing quality Christian resources at affordable prices. 10 of those does this by buying resources we love in bulk. This allows them to pass the savings on to you and ensures that life changing resources actually get in the hands of the people who use them. While Ten of Those is a business, they are committed to using their profits to provide evangelistic resources to communities that otherwise could not afford them. When you buy from Ten of Those, you help support their mission to equip the church to make Christ known throughout the world. You can buy from Ten of Those directly at tenofthose.com. Or at one of their many pop-up bookstores. We at Baptist 21 have partnered with them before for events, and we love working with them. In fact, they're just tremendous to work with, and we hope you will check them out. Coming up, they're going to be at T4G, as well as the Gospel Coalition's Women's Conference and the Worship God Conference. You should definitely check out 10 of those. So go to 10ofthose.com today.
1: One of the things I did in researching the article is there's this great book that's really hard to find. Um, that uh that robert naylor dr robert naylor that was president of southwestern um -hmm. he wrote this book called it's called a messenger's memoirs and it's basically a it's like a journal of every SBC annual meeting he ever went to like Mm. from the time he was young all the way and so every every chapter is a different year um it's out of print i got it at the southeastern library um it' overdue. So if Jason Fowler's listening, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll return it. Um, but, uh, but it, it gives like every year and kind of just tells things that are going on. Well, it's really fun. Cause when you look at 1951, he tells some stuff about the meeting, but he's way more excited about going, going to California. Rest. Like yeah. nobody, like like a ton of them had never been out there before. Yeah. So they took train. They he saw Glorietta out the window of the train, like you know all <laughs> all this stuff. Man. So it, it tells yeah. So it tells all about being there. Um, and they had like the the. They opened up their messenger count when it started was 4,126, which if you think about how travel was not as easy wow. back then, that's a pretty good number, you know, to uh, start out with.
0: Yeah. Cause I don't, I mean, I don't think we're going to have a massive year this year. So I've just been to California so many times. I'm not mesmerized by going back to California, but that is fascinating. Um, I love, I love that. I'm going to recap just a little bit of what you said and just make sure I didn't miss anything. And then, cause you already answered a couple of the questions I wanted to ask. So this will be the fourth time we're in California. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, this will be the first time in Anaheim. So nineteen forties is kind of when the agreements between the Northern Baptists and Southern Baptists kind of end. I, I'd love right. to know if you know kind of what that looked like. I'd love to hear about that. But that means that's why it's a hundred year it, to some degree. That's why it's a hundred years before we even consider going out west or going up north for some of these right Yeah.
1: Yes, that's right. That's right. So in eighteen ninety four, there was a conference. It's called the Fortress Monroe conference and it basically set these territorial boundaries between Northern Baptist and Southern Baptist Mm. and so it's just this kind of thing that like I said it just says we stay where we are well I don't know the exact year that that it just essentially expired I think like it just you know we're 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 just going to take take the the chains are off and it just it just opens up And so what you can start to see is, I mean, there's some really interesting stuff that I've researched in other projects over the years about what church planting looks like uh, in the, looked like in the 1950s, because essentially you have, I mean, a lot of times what it looked like was, uh, was not, you know, we think of church planting now, folks are going and they're learning about the city, they're becoming a part of it. The way it really started in a lot of spots, the more we we saw was this is happening also at the same time that um, there's a real change in America and people are moving away from home you know, in ways that they hadn't before because of jobs or because of the military or whatever. So folks from the South find themselves in the North or in the West or whatever, and they're looking for some connection with people like them. Um, and yeah. so a lot of times things would start that way. Yeah. And so you that. can go, mm-hmm. yeah. So you can go back and look in, um, there's some old, uh, state papers. There's one, um, from the, the convention up in Oregon and, and stuff. And you can, you can see some hints of that. It's very interesting to see this kind of Southern flavor that was coming. I mean, it was a, I mean, cultural exportation almost that's right. happening you yeah. know, through this. Uh, but in that, I mean, there's still a real, there's an excitement about it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I loved. Cause when I was reading, I wanted to figure out how did we end up doing this? Why did we go to the West? Um, and when I start going, I couldn't believe it. Cause I didn't know until I started looking in the minutes that it happened on the fly. Like that's a really big deal to change the meeting site. And here's the other funny thing. i would gotten to looking in the um, in the uh, correspondence and letters in the Southern Baptist Historical Library and Archives, which is in Nashville. Um, when that happened, Porter Ruth was the uh, was head, head in the executive committee at the time. And think about it. Like as hard we've got these hotel websites, these reservation you know ways. They were having to do everything from Nashville. Oh to like coordinate by a letter they were having, I mean, they're having to help people figure out how to reserve hotels. I mean, none of this had been vetted. Yeah. So, um, so the presidents of all the train companies, all the railroad companies had written to, um, to the executive committee asking if, if he would, if, if they would give out mailing lists, of all the Southern Baptists because they wanted to advertise and he, yeah. And he said, no, to all of them, but there, all those letters are in there. So it was like, as soon as people found out we were headed to California, um, they were like, you know, we want to, we, we want to get their business. And so it was a pretty big deal. This was also a time where, you know, we all do stuff on social media. This is a season where the road trip to the convention was a big deal. So every year the, um, this wasn't just in California, but in other ones, every year they would make these bumper stickers that people could send off for. And you could, you know, you'd send $5 and you would get your bumper sticker. And the whole idea was kind of like when you're going to a football game and you put yeah. the flags out yeah. in your car. So that <laughs> so then you see other people that are Georgia fans or Clemson fans or whatever. Well, it was to put this bumper sticker on your car so you could find each other as you're driving across country at the gas stations. Wow. You know? What a
0: different day. Um,
1: mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so the whole trek to the annual meeting was a big deal anyway. You turn around and put it somewhere like that, and people are seeing this area that we're yeah. expanding to for the first time. It's pretty exciting.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. Um, just a couple of final questions. Uh, highlights. What do you think are going to be some of the highlights of doing it out west in Anaheim, and what are going to be some of the challenges? And then any final thoughts?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, of course, the 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 challenges that we've already talked about it's, it's gonna be different. and this is a with inflation and everything that's happening. It's a pricey year for all of us anyway, no matter where we go. No. Uh, but you add it in California, that certainly is is an issue. Um, and I'm sure it'll be uh it won't be uh cool out there. It'll be hot, I would expect, although probably not as bad as Phoenix.
0: No.
1: Um, you know, I've never been to Anaheim except like a couple of times when I was younger, just you know, nothing major, not spent a lot of time. I've never stayed there. It was always, I was staying somewhere else, go over to Anaheim for a little bit. Um, But so I've not actually gotten to walk around the folks I know who've been for site visits. They say, I mean, there's a lot of great, great things. There's a lot of stuff in uh, nearby that will be easily, you know, accessible. I do think as tough as it is to sort of feel the pinch of some of the prices, There is something great about us going and seeing a place that most of us haven't spent a lot of time. I do think a lot of California pastors and church members are excited for us to come and see their mission field. You know, Jeff Orge wrote a piece about this on the gateway site a a little while back, I think Mm -hmm. about, um, about how much they love California and, and yes, I know there's all sorts of things that are different about California, but they love it because that's their mission field. They love it in the same way that we have missionaries all over the world that love the the places where they are and the people they are and, and uh, the the communities they're trying to reach. I think our California brothers and sisters are excited for us to see that, and I'm I'm excited about that too. So I think that's uh, that's a great opportunity. And I'm just going kind of knowing, man, you know, we're going to take our family in to get something for dinner. And it may be it may be a little tight, you know, different than than normal. But I'm going to try to have my eyes open to some of the exciting things uh, that are there. And it's a great opportunity for us to all get to see each other again, which we love,
0: which we always enjoy. Are you guys going up there to protest Disney?
1: Uh, That's that's not on our agenda.
0: So I'll just leave it at that. Amy, I always appreciate the time. We we may have you come back on like we do every year to kind of talk through the um, program um, if time permits and and we can find some space to do it. But uh, this is really helpful. Very intriguing to me as far as the history of it as well. Um, And so if you do end up um, that ends up going online, let us know. If not, SBC Life, check it out. And um, we'll uh, obviously yeah, check that out. So always appreciate time with you, Amy.
1: All right. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. Thank you for listening to the Baptist 21 podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at our website, baptist21.com. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. It would really help us out. If you ever have thoughts or ideas for future interviews, please reach out to us at our email, Baptist21 at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast.